0: Martin Luther had very little understanding of the realities of the revolution when he waded into commenting on the 12 articles of the Schwabian peasants. He knew the princes were abusing the peasants, but he had only heard vague rumors of the atrocities of the peasantry. That all changed when he took a trip
1: to Thuringia to open a new school. He was confronted by the hecklers, who openly mocked his calls for a peaceful resolution to the conflict, There's also evidence that he heard more of first-hand accounts from peasants' attacks on the princes.
0: When Luther returned to Wittenberg, he wrote a sharp rebuke of the peasantry with language so harsh that his friends pleaded with him to soften it. But Luther would not be swayed, releasing Against the Robbing and Murderous Hordes of Peasants in May of 1525, a book that Luther advocates have repeatedly had to explain and defend for the past 500 years. I'm Mike Yagley, and I am Evan Gertner, and this is Grace on Tap. Grace on Tap is a podcast dedicated to a discussion on the history and the theology of the Lutheran Reformation, all over a nice cold beer. All right, so some background
1: on where we've been so far. We had an episode where we talked about the 12 articles of the peasants of Swabia, and then we included a note at the end that stated that they were
0: open to being corrected by scripture. So, as a reminder, the 12 Articles were a list of demands from the peasants. They had uh, things in there like uh, being considered free, being allowed to hunt and fish in common areas, uh, stuff like that. It
1: was, it was things of independence that wanted them to be a part of the state and yet
0: have a voice. Yeah, a lot of the stuff we take for granted today was the kind of things they were asking for. Now, part of their language was
1: not just simply about matters of state, though. There was a lot of integration and immeshing with Christian aims and things like that. And so Luther was pleased that they were claiming to be ready to be corrected based on scriptural guidance, but he was also su- suspicious of this claim.
0: So Luther, one of his quotes here is, if this offer of theirs is only pretense and show, then without doubt it will accomplish very little or... In fact, it will contribute to their great injury and eternal ruin.
1: So Luther had concerns that they were enmeshing and, and integrating into their concerns some Christian principles.
0: And that, I, I think, you know, he had this, uh, this idea that, well, he was, I guess he was suspicious, at my, my read was that he was suspicious that when they said that they were open to being corrected, well they weren't really open to being corrected they had their hearts set on these freedoms mm-hmm. and uh and, and they you know oh yeah 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 we'll be corrected but we know we're right type thing you know that's the, uh, that's how i read it know, was his, an, it was not in their
1: 12 articles was not an initial draft uh, ready for negotiation it was kind of like do this or there's a revolt coming.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, Luther, they put this thing at the end with the idea that, okay, we're gonna be all humble, we're open to being corrected, blah, 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 but, eh, Luther was a little suspicious, and I think rightfully so, and, and time will, you know, the story will show that he was absolutely right.
1: Yeah, so in the spring of 1525, Luther was invited by Count Albrecht of Mansfeld to visit Eislaben in Thuringia to open a new school. And Luther, he agreed to attend, and he brought along with him his friend Philip Melanchthon. Uh, These two are largely considered uh, the ones who figured out the modern educational system in Germany. So to have them open up a school, Philip Melanchthon is in many ways in Germany remembered as the founder of modern education in Germany.
0: Now the writings I saw on this said it was specifically a Christian school, which was, were all schools Christian then? Is it, I guess I, I, I was, I'm not entirely clear on that, but that's. Yeah, I'm not
1: sure what distinction that makes, except maybe that it's not related to a monastery. Oh, okay. So it's a, a public school that's, not being supported by the church but is a christian school supported by the state okay maybe that's what it's being
0: yeah about. yeah i i saw a few references that this was a quote unquote christian school uh and you might
1: hear in the background a little shaking of a dog collar. We have a Elfia Jack Russell Terrier uh, next to me because I wanted to have a dog to pet throughout this stressful
0: <laughs> conversation. Evan gets upset whenever we talk about So the, this the, is my comfort zone <laughs> <dog. laughs> <laughs> The riots. <laughs> the riots and the
1: murderous swords. Actually no, it's just a little dog sitting we're doing.
0: Anyway, going on, we uh um yeah, so you know, Luther agreed to attend, and, and he was aware of the problems between the peasants and the lords, but he, he really was seems to be unaware of the violent turn that things took that spring. Uh, as far as we can tell, Luther really became aware of the violence of the, the peasant, of the peasants during this trip while he was going into Thuringia.
1: Groups of peasants had plundered and destroyed castles, monasteries, and churches. And the peasants
0: were emboldened because the lords were hesitant to fight against them. Now, the lords were hesitant for a couple of reasons. And both of them had to do with Frederick the Wise. First of all, Frederick was very ill. Uh, He was on his deathbed. uh, So there was really no real leadership. And then the second thing was that you know Fr- frederick knew that the that the lords and the princes were treating the peasants poorly and and so he was really hesitant to comment on the revolt because he was hoping that there'd be negotiation that would work through this and give the peasants uh, a fair more of a fair shake
1: i think luther had strong confidence in the appeal to reason and, and maybe didn't always understand the self-interest of politics and thought that if the the nobles heard the concerns of the peasants, uh, they would take that all in, and there would be a confession and moment of truth and and reconciliation. And and maybe this is his ambitious, that truth uh, would be
0: stronger than self-interest. Well, and there's reason for that, right? He had, through his writings, just proclaiming the gospel there in Wittenberg, he had changed Europe. And so he had firsthand understanding of the power of the pen and the power of discussion. And, and, you know, and, and so he was it's the age of humanism yeah, in Erasmus in this confidence
1: that if we speak um, with the sources and, and speak to one another, there will be a path to truth that maybe by tradition had been silenced. Yeah.
0: And, and so, you know, so Luther has this, this, this hope. That, that negotiation is going to work, and, and that, and between negotiation and the Word of God and the call for peace and, and, and solid, you know, evangelical preaching, that this would work its way through. So Luther attempted to
1: help by preaching to the peasantry. He realized that the peasants, though, were listening to other preachers, like Thomas Munzer, when he was heckled in the middle of a sermon in
0: Nordhausen. So when when Luther was heckled like that and they and I, I at least the one time and I don't know if it happened multiple times but he was furious and he became convinced that the the peasants would not be stopped by either negotiation or by preaching. So he writes uh he returns to Wittenberg and he writes his opinion on the issue. So we can get a flavor of Luther's thinking from the name of the publication. And, and there's different translations of it. One is against the robbing and murderous hordes of peasants. So he's not a neutral observer. He? <laughs> he's not, not any not, longer. Not any longer. The, the robbing and, and murderous hordes. I, yeah, that's, yeah, he, he's not really, he's not <laughs> really coming down easy on them. No. And I think part of this is that
1: wanting a legacy of Frederick the Wise, of bringing together uh, the people of Germany around the promise and hope of God's word to live as people, united as a state, is how does this legacy happen even in the moment of, say, May 4th, 1525, when he might have written this against the robbing and murderous hordes of peasants? On May 5th, Frederick the Wise dies.
0: Right, and this is actually, so the legacy
1: is evaporating.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's seeing that. Yeah. Well, the, the the exact date of writing this is is not known. But now, in he, that same time period. It's in that same time period. Of Frederick
1: the Wise dying. Yeah,
0: he has... On May 4th, he has a letter he writes to a friend or something, and it has almost the same language. Hmm. So it's exactly... So, I mean, the, it, the drafting of it is yeah, coming His about head that time. is right in that same place, right at that same time. And then Frederick the Wise dies. And so you have the death of Frederick the Wise. Everything's up in the air. The, the peasants are rioting. Uh, it's It's... Things are looking bad at this particular moment. Now...
1: It's helpful for us to consider the framework upon which Luther writes to the peasants it is built on Romans chapter 13. It's a New Testament New Testament letter that St. Paul is writing to the Romans. And so we're going to take a little sidebar
0: uh, into Romans 13 to see what Paul has to say. So I'll read this one. It's uh, So this is uh, what Paul writes. It's, uh, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for good, for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So that's, that's a, Paul, Paul is really addressing exactly rebellion. In mm-hmm. this, I mean, he, he specifically highlights whoever rebels against authority. So it's it's easy to see where Luther is. You know, Luther seems pretty well lined up with you know. And as we read this, this, and we're going to have to keep that in mind. You know, Paul comes out very strong about about rebels. Luther comes even more strongly, but it's based on this.
1: For Luther, the establishment of the state is something that is a divine institution, just as the church is a divine institution uh, given to us by God to be the means by which the word of God is preached in our time, the sacraments are administered in our time, God has established the state so that in our time peace and order can be maintained.
0: Now one of the things i mean my, my own head goes to you know uh, the industrial industrialized killing machines of you know so the 20th century where these countries where these leaders are going out and they're they're killing as many people as they can of their own pol Pot, uh uh Hitler you know stalin i mean these these guys they this is uh, like i said they're they're effectively industrialized killing machines um and, and so you know this this particular reading. And of course, Luther had no two things. Luther had, wasn't thinking of, <laughs> obviously, wasn't thinking of Stalin.
1: No. Yeah,
0: and and so so that's that's one wrinkle. We'll, we, I think we would like to untangle a little bit as we go on into this. And then the second thing is what I always keep in mind when I'm reading Paul here. Paul, this was was this written during the era of Nero? I mean, it's not like the Roman authorities were. We're playing patty cake with the uh, with the Christians in this era. You know, this was these guys were were could be pretty corrupt. Yeah, you know? yeah. So this would have been written a, a little bit before Nero. Okay,
1: I think, but around that same time period, where persecutions can happen, uh, there's still the optimism. I think in Romans, okay, uh, that speaks to the idea that God will use the state uh, authorities to preserve order. And, and don't become the instrument of disorder through your insurrections. Yeah.
0: And, and, and you know, I mean, the, the Christian, early Christian church never became disorderly, mm-hmm. even in the face of horrible persecution. But that's. We'll, we'll untangle all, we'll start, we'll try to untangle some of this. So a lot to talk about. I,
1: yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to completely explain Luther's concept of uh, two kingdoms and what it does in the face of sinful flesh in charge in the state. Or how do we say, even when sinners are in charge of the state, God is still in charge of the state. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so our patience with what uh, government is doing is somewhat made possible by the fact that God is even more in charge than... Those weak and broken people that are presently appearing to be in charge. Yeah,
0: it's going to be. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll touch. Uh, you're right. We, this is. We could have a whole series of podcasts just on this, but we'll just touch on some of it. We'll get some of our thoughts out there, and you know, it gives us some
1: perspective why Luther reacts the way he does to the murderous hordes of the peasants is because he finds them proposing disorder. Yeah, and the whole purpose of the state is to maintain order. Right. Well, let's let's take a beer break. I could
0: use one. Okay, today's so
1: beer is M forty three, and it is an Indian Pale Ale named after Michigan Highway forty three, which runs through Williamston.
0: So this is this is actually uh, you know th- this one got mm-hmm. our attention. Uh, I think Evan, you sent me. Uh, a- I sent you a link of the
1: the top ten beers. This In was mission. like number one, And this was it? number one. And so I said, why haven't we tried this one yet? Yeah,
0: and, you know, it's... and then you told me it was on the schedule. It is. And now we're, we're finally getting around to it. This is from Old Nation Brewery. Um, and this is... Uh, now, I'm going to just read. They, they say that this is... Uh, it's designed to accentuate the deep and complex character of the combination of Calypso, Simcoe, Citra... And Amarillo hops, which are I, those are. I did all not hops. know there
1: were so many kinds of
0: hops. I oh, thought yeah. hops
1: were hops. Oh no
0: no 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 no. I'm no, learning, but I but I I have never. Some of these uh, Calypso hop. I'm, I'm I guess I'm not familiar. Simco. I I might have heard of Calypso hop in the past. Now that I'm thinking about. It. But I you know like the uh, Amarillo hop, the Simcoe hop. Oh, those I'm not familiar with? Those are. Um, Let's just start with the fact that there's more than one kind of hop. Mm.
1: That that itself <laughs> is introduction to me to the fact that we're drinking a beer that has some complexity to it.
0: It, it does. Um this is it's a it's a this is really a good IPA. It's got It's very sweet. It, it's 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 sweet it's it's got a um uh it's it's Put a thickness to it. It's, it's it's a thicker beer. Yeah, than, just even in color. You can't see through it. No, it's 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 not Bud Light. It, no, no. It's got a haze to it. And they said here they have a they have something, the haze is not from the yeast, which it usually is that when you have a hazy beer, that's usually from the yeast. This is sort of interesting. It says the haze is not from the yeast, but rather from an interplay of lipids from the malted oaten oils and acids, which naturally occur in the hand selected dry hops. Um, this is, uh, this is one of those beers that I, you know, uh, when, when, when I first tasted it, it's, it's an IPA. But it's a real mild IPA. Can you remind
1: our listeners again and me what defines something as an IPA? Because to me, IPAs generally are kind of fruity and strong and have a tartness to them. And they're and, yeah, and and not fruity like a girly, well, like a, a woo woo drink. Like a woo woo
0: drink. <laughs> <laughs> like when you got a bachelor <laughs> party, woo woo.
1: It's not a woo woo
0: drink. No, it's not a woo-woo drink. So, although that might happen, I guess if you have enough of them, uh, oh, an IPA. The the whole idea of the India Pale Ale. Uh, the story about the India Pale Ale is the the, the Brits uh, had were big into pale ales, and uh, and they would they would ship the pale ales from England to India to the to the uh, um, uh, to the soldiers there, and to make that long trip. They had to put extra hops in for the uh, you know as a preservative, and the the it had this real bitter, this real strong bitter taste to it that the that the soldiers really got to love and when they came back to England. There was hey, where's the where's that India Pale Ale that you guys were so showing? a bitter hoppy. It's uh, yeah that that very hoppy, very it's that bitter hoppy. But this is what's great about this beer is that you're not getting that real strong bitterness this is uh they they have it's it's hoppy you get all the flavor of the hops mm-hmm. but you're not getting that bitterness it's really uh it's really sort of lightened up somehow and i can see why this is so popular you get all the like i always enjoy the the flavors of the of the india pale ales but i, I agree you know i think we've talked in a previous episode i sort of tired of those real bitter you know, India pale ales. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so this is, this is a great segue into, you know, it's, it's just a, a, you know, a great change for, for an India pale ale. Now,
1: have you been to the old, Na- old nation brewery?
0: No, I have not. Neither have I. I've it, through, it's not far from here. You know, it's, it's an it's... old
1: school family style restaurant. And on the backside of the restaurant is their brewing production facility. On a typical day, there are four to five staffers who work on the brewing side of the production. In addition to two mechanics, there's several workers who are part of the production portion, mainly in charge of the canning of the beer. Because yeah. they do can their own beer.
0: Now, this is a, a brewery that's put together by a couple of guys named Travis Fritz and Nate Reichse. Reichsey, I guess is how to pronounce that. I don't know. Uh, it says, uh, built by two educate, university-educated uh, brewers, each with 14 years of experience. If I remember right, uh, Travis Fritz is the one... Uh, the, the Nate Reichse is a uh, more of the... Biz, or Rick Rick Gersey was the 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 businessman. There's another guy. Uh, Rick Gersey is the the businessman. Travis Fritz and Nate Nate Wrightsey are the are the brewers. And uh, these guys have you know they they've done a lot of brewing throughout. They've North got a Korea. background in the Detroit Beer Company too, which is
1: a place I often go to and see Tigers games.
0: Oh, okay, okay, yeah, very good beer. This is this is a no. Little... They were
1: asked if they want to like increase their. Exp- uh, production or a secondary location and they said you have one chance essentially to grow you can have a production facility like we do now and one satellite pub we're at capacity right now for the amount of beer tanks we have right now but we think for right now we're happy we're happy where we're here at Williams. i like the idea of a small business understanding you get one chance to grow um and if you do it right it, it it just will grow and grow and grow. You do it one, it completely deflates quickly.
0: Yeah, these guys are uh and the the thing is they 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 were taught in one of these articles I was reading about them, they they started the restaurant. They don't make they don't make a whole lot of money on that restaurant. They go, "We're not making money on the restaurant. We just want to know the community." Mm-hmm. So they opened up this restaurant just so people could come in, they could get to know the community out there in Williamston and and sort of well they, but their big business is this brewing. And and they're yeah. they're really good brewers i mean this is really good beer i, I like this one the m43 so uh only uh, to get this i actually had to go to some uh, a small a small um, uh brew store not at the not at the grocery stores not you can't get this anywhere and looking at the can the can is a plain can with a piece of paper taped on it that says m43 uh so it's, it's truly a small business now, that i was at whole
1: foods market in birmingham and they had it on tap and on Mondays, their Michigan craft beers are on tap for three dollars a pint. Oh, really? And so I, I had it right off the tap there, and it was.
0: Well did it taste the same? It did.
1: Oh, I think you know the idea of canning is something that sometimes people think, "Oh, I want it in the bottle." That feels so much more like home crafty. Yeah. But what I've read is that the cans preserve the the beer better. Okay. Okay. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that that one I don't know, but that's that I. I, I like it the way, it, like this. This is this is a darn good beer out of the can. I have no complaints about this one out of the can, that's for sure.
1: So, M43 India Pale Ale by Old Nation Brewery is our featured beer for our Big. Murderous Hordes episode. <laughs> that's
0: right.
1: <laughs> now, let's look back at Luther. Uh, building on Romans 13, uh, he starts out pretty strong. And he writes, In my earlier book on this matter, I did not venture to judge the peasants since they had offered to be corrected and to be instructed. And Christ in Matthew 7 commands us not to judge. But before I could even inspect the situation, they forgot their promise and violently took matters into their own hands and are robbing and raging like mad dogs. All this now makes it clear that they were trying to deceive us. And the assertions that they made in their 12 articles were nothing but lies
0: presented under the name of the gospel. So then he jumps into a reference on Munzer. He says, this is particularly the work of that arch devil who rules Molhausen and does nothing except stir up robbery, murder, and bloodshed. Now we've spent the last few episodes talking about Munzer and we'll get to him in the next
1: episode as well. So we're going to focus more now on Luther's response to the murderous hordes of peasants. And so he identifies three terrible sins that he
0: believes are driving their actions into the wrong direction so the first sin is a lack of obedience to ruling authorities and this is getting back into what you were talking about before the beer break where luther's highest priority is orderliness you know he Mm -hmm. he keeps and this is something we're going to see over and over again is this call for orderliness and i think the reason that luther
1: has this idea that the state preserves order is so, so that we have a peaceful place in which we can share the gospel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just go to Luther. He says here in the first place, they have sworn to be true and faithful, submissive and obedient to their rulers as Christ commands. When he says, render to Caesar, the things that are Caesar's and in Romans, 13 says, let every person be subject to the governing authority. So Luther's reminding
1: us that in Scripture, we find obedience to the ruling authorities is something
0: that both Christ and St. Paul advocate for. So Luther's judgment on this is since they now, I'm going to read Luther again here, since they now deliberately and violently breaking this oath of obedience and setting themselves in opposition to their master's, they have forfeited body and soul as faithless, perjured, lying, disobedient rascals and scoundrels usually do. St. Paul passes this judgment on them in Romans thirteen two when he said that those who resist the authorities will bring a judgment upon themselves. This saying will smite the peasants sooner or later for God wants people to be loyal and to do their duty. So it's hard
1: to do your vocation when you have placed yourself in opposition to the one that God has placed in charge of you.
0: Yeah, this is, and I, I uh, place in here, and maybe we'll, we'll stumble across, I don't know if I, we have it in our notes or, or not. Luther talks about how when, when we rebel against governing authorities, right? God has placed, so now we're in this, this, this state of rebellion against governing authorities. Who is our authority? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have, we are, if God put this person into authority over us, we have rebelled against God. We're rebelling against his, his servant in this position. So we, we are now making ourselves God and the civil authority. So
1: this is in Acts four and five, that that character of Peter and John, when they're brought before the Sanhedrin council and, and told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus and Peter says that we must obey the word of God rather than you. We will keep on preaching Jesus. When we are in opposition to the authorities above us, we can only do so when the question of the freedom to proclaim the gospel is at stake. And even then, our disobedience only stretches as far as our ability to find space to preach the gospel.
0: So so, so, what you're saying is that like, in this case if because the because the gospel was not being constrained by these particular authorities there was no right to to rebel against that
1: yeah and that's i think a struggle because we often will say well if there's an attack on my body then i have a right to rebel and he's saying body and soul cannot be threatened by the authorities of the state the only way we bring our soul into um, worry is when we act against those whom God has placed above us.
0: So you said body and soul. Did you just mean the soul can't be threatened by the state? Because the body certainly can be, right. right? So body and soul threats. The big danger is I can take
1: the injustice against my body. And and then in the concept of, well, what can the state do against my soul? Nothing. Because my soul is secured by what Christ has done. So what reason do I have to rebel is when the state is preventing my ability to care for another person's soul. Mm. Mm. And even then, I only rebel as far as I need to to find the space and opportunity to share the gospel. Okay. Okay. So this is Luther's uh, first sin that he identifies. They have a lack of obedience to ruling authorities. And as Mike pointed out, they have essentially placed no authority above them except their own interests. So the second sin is abusing the property of others. So they're starting a rebellion. They're violently robbing and plundering monasteries and castles, which are not theirs.
0: So Luther's equally rough on the second sin. He says, anyone who can be proved to be a sedacious person is an outlaw before God and the emperor. And whoever is the first to put him to death does right and well. Just as when a fire starts, the first man who can put it out is the best man to do the job. Wow.
1: Yeah. So if there is sedition happening among you, you essentially are given permission by Luther to put that sedition down. Oh, wow. and, and and to be seen as a firefighter, yeah, it is a tough word. Um, this for Luther, I think, is probably that that same awkwardness any of us have seen when we observe looting. We're just like, do you have to destroy that business in order to make your point known? Yeah, yeah. And and, and for Luther, it just makes no sense. He doesn't see any purpose for violently robbing and plundering a monastery, a castle, or anything that is not your own. Okay. So So I think for Luther, he he just doesn't have space for that outrage, that rage that is against the machine of the state and just is seeking some venue for anger. For him, uh, your anger against the machine of the state will find no satisfaction by causing more damage. Well,
0: this gets back into... And, uh, I mean, obviously, I uh, got, maybe I shouldn't say obviously, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put my vote in here, which is that, you know, I think Luther goes a little too far here. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know. So call- is
1: it, the far isn't his criticism of looting and plundering as more the permission he gives for anyone to murder the looter, to yes. murder the plunderer. Yes. Because you're like, is that the right way to, to stop the plundering is to then plunder the plunderer. To
0: kill the plunderer. Yeah, to kill the plunderer. There's there's better options available, you know, and and, and so Luther goes to this this extreme position, Um, but I I think it gets back to, you know, okay, so so we disagree with Luther's solution for the problem. We agree that
1: the problem of of plundering and robbing a location that's not your own, to try to bring about... Reconciliation is not really going to bring about any reconciliation. It's just going to bring about robbing and plundering.
0: Right. And, and that, this gets back to that, that earlier point that, okay, what we really have here is where somebody is making themselves their own God and authority. Yeah. You know, they, they, they are completely rejecting. property rejecti- lines no longer mean anything. Yeah. They're completely rejecting all authorities, including anything put together, put in place by God. And, and so that's a huge problem. The solution to it is something less than killing that person but that's Now
1: Luther is aware that this statement of his could be shocking and he writes rebellion is not just a simple murder it is like a great fire which attacks and devastates a whole land and rebellion brings with it a land filled with murder and bloodshed it makes widows and orphans and turns everything upside down like the worst disaster therefore let everyone who can smite slay stab secretly or openly remember that nothing can be more poisonous hurtful or devilish than a rebel it's just as when one must kill a mad dog if you do not strike him he will strike you and a whole land with
0: you so uh, you know all i can think of is that maybe there wasn't a process a due process in place in 1525 you know it's i i don't know this is this is this is i can see where okay as As a huge Luther fan myself, this is hard to defend. Yeah. Yeah, this is hard to defend.
1: So how does rebellion get put down? Uh, Earlier, you and I were talking about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And how he seeks to preserve the Union and yet still sends um, the Union army into the South.
0: Right. And, you know, I mean, there was the... And after the Revolutionary War, or after the... I'm sorry, after the, the Civil War you know, Luther was the, the, the second, I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. Lincoln, uh, with the second so we inaug- Lincoln and we've got civil war. All right. We got two things right. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln with, uh, the the, the, uh, second inaugural address, right. Um, where he talks about binding up the, 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 wounds and he talks about, you know, having, you know, we are all sinners is a big, it's a, it's a, it's a, It's a A moment of humility for Lincoln in that second
1: inaugural address and say the pathway towards reconciliation, because the Civil War is almost over at that point, is to prepare his audience for the fact that when this war is over, uh, we are not conquerors. We are one nation again.
0: Yeah. And and this is Lincoln really made it was it was a it was a difficult that was a a very short but very difficult speech for a lot of people to hear because it well, was well when you've had family die you want to bring revenge right lincoln was reaching out to the the opponent and you know to read that second inaugural address where where lincoln goes through and talks about hey you know we're both guilty for this war both the north and the south was guilty for this war we we both brought this on ourselves and we both deserve the pain we have brought upon ourselves. There's a, and so
1: maybe it's just that as now Luther is writing uh, to give justification for the attacking of the royalty against the peasants, is there's not enough humility to recognize what the nobles have done to bring about this crisis.
0: Yeah, he did that with the first the first one on, uh, on the 12 articles, but the, that went out the window with this one. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. so... Uh, So now
1: Luther's arguing against due process. He says, I will not oppose a heathen ruler who will smite and punish these peasants without first offering to submit the case to judgment. He is within his rights, since the peasants are not contending any longer for the gospel, but have become faithless, perjured, disobedient, rebellious, murderers, robbers, blasphemers, whom even a heathen ruler has the right and authority to punish. And indeed, indeed, it is his duty to punish such scoundrels. This is why he bears the sword and is the servant of God to execute his wrath on the wrongdoer. I, so, essentially, I think uh, Luther is saying that the noble that brings down the rebellion does not have to wait for due process to take place. Because this peasant has removed himself from due process by becoming a rebel.
0: Yeah, when he says, you know, smite and punish these peasants without first offering to submit the case to, to judgment, he's saying no no due process. No the, quarter. No quarter, just off we go. Um, now, so that was a quote about the heathen ruler. So he does have this, another quote a little bit later on where he advocates a higher standard for Christian rulers. If the ruler is a Christian and tolerates the gospel so that the peasants have no appearance of a case against him, he should proceed with fear. First, he must take the matter to God, confessing that we have deserved such things, and remembering that God may, perhaps, have aroused the devil as punishment upon all Germany. He continues, When our hearts are so turned to God that we are ready to let his divine will be done, whether he will or will not have us to be princes and lords, we must go beyond our duty and offer the mad peasants an opportunity to come to terms, even though they are not worthy of it. But if uh, later on he goes, if the negotiation doesn't work, Luther says the Christian ruler should swiftly take up the sword. Yeah. And and so there's this this constant. It's almost like you know the the sword, and I don't I don't know what. Uh, what imprisonment was like back in those days. It really
1: didn't exist.
0: Uh, it sounds like that. No,
1: I mean, the only imprisonment might be for a debt. Any other kind of imprisonment was enacted through murder. I mean, not murder, through execution.
0: Yeah, it seems like there was this, there's, there's Luther, it's, it's almost... There's it, no
1: such thing as a prison.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's part of the problem here is that, you know, th- there needs to
1: be... A, Somewhere in between, between the... Uh, the executing the wrath of the on the wrongdoer with the sword, and letting them go free. Yeah, maybe something in between there,
0: and and maybe that's that's a the con, a contextual thing that we, we automatically think is there.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, I I mean, I know I I automatically thought, well, Luther's got more than just the option of let him go or kill him, you know, but maybe in that context, he really wasn't a, didn't have anything. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm trying to make excuses for Luther because I, I like the guy, but, but it's this is tough.
1: And and I think one thing is he he sees the work of a rebel as much of an act of injustice as a noble who is acting without thought or care or regard for his neighbor. They are both acts of injustice. Okay. Okay. So the third sin, so our first sin was one where we recognized that there was a lack of obedience to ruling authorities. The second sin is abusing the property of others. Now, the third sin is that the peasants have called themselves a Christian association. So
0: Luther was especially upset that they called themselves Christian, even as they were rebelling. Uh, He discussed this in his admonition for peace. He says, thus they became the worst blasphemers of God and slanderers of his holy name. Under this outward appearance of the gospel, they honor and serve the devil, thus deserving death and body and soul ten times over. I have never heard a more hideous sin. For me,
1: an example that is someone who is claiming to be a Christian association that brings harm to the name of Christ in our advancement of the gospel is the KKK. An example where someone cloaks themselves in the fiery cross and and tries to pretend that they're raising up some sort of Christian message when all it is is a message of hate, I I find that to be an atrocious sin. And this is largely what Luther is identifying, that when the peasants have labeled themselves as a Christian association, but are doing nothing to care for the neighbor, but instead are bringing harm to others through their plundering and robbing, then they are doing harm not just to their neighbor, but then to the very advancement of Christ in his kingdom. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Uh, that that is one that is certainly, uh, you know, it's hard. There are so many examples of people trotting out the Christian name and doing Mm -hmm. horrendous things and the damage that's done to the gospel yeah. by that is it's it, really a
1: violation of the commandment you shall not misuse the name of the lord your god when we curse or when we swear um by god's name uh, we are using the legitimacy of the name of god to justify our own sinfulness uh, as some sort of a cloak as some sort
0: of masquerade that others won't be able to see through yeah it's even worse when our actions are the ones speaking just that you know actions speak louder than words and when somebody engages in openly um uh sinful behavior like like lynchings mm-hmm. and like the KKK with lynchings in the in the old south um under the name of Christ uh, that's the the damage that's done to the gospel there is is unbelievable so i uh, it's hard to disagree with luther on that one so that third sin is peasants have called
1: themselves a christian association Near the end, Luther makes a couple comments that were especially shocking to us in our research. One is, he says, Thus anyone who is killed fighting on the side of the rulers may be a true martyr in the eyes of God. This is that person who is putting down the peasants through the wrath of the sword is being identified as a martyr. The word martyr means witness or testimony, as a
0: testimony to the eyes of God. Well, I don't know. It's a hard claim there. And then the second one is even more shocking where he says let whoever can stab, smite, slay if you die in doing it, good for you. And that's
1: that's a statement that might need a lot more context. You know, you couldn't put that on, say, the back of a youth gathering t-shirt. But <laughs> uh, here we are, we're arriving to the National Youth Gathering, we're going to stab, smite, and slay and uh, if we die doing it, good for us. <laughs> Probably not on the back of a youth gathering t-shirt.
0: Probably not. I'm going to mug with that. <laughs> yes.
1: Now Luther then goes back to his original position to finish everything up. He says, If anyone thinks this is too harsh, let him remember that rebellion is intolerable and that the destruction of the world is to be expected every hour.
0: Well, there's there are plenty of people who think Luther is too harsh here, my, myself included. Yes. Um even modern law and order order folks uh, have problems with Luther's call against due process in the face of revolution and just grabbing anybody and, and throwing them in jail or killing them. Well, he uses that metaphor of the fire. You got to put the fire out or the
1: mad dog before he bites in the, the neighborhood. Or or I would think of, uh, I read somewhere about the danger of sin in your community. It's like gangrene. You got that cut that limb off before the whole body is infected. I feel like there must be, at some point, I I, I know that Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War happened. Yeah. But what could have happened sooner that we just skip past? What could have happened? I mean, I suppose compromise, compromise, compromise to the point where we end up with the Civil War either way. I mean, this was what Luther hoped for. He thought with the admonition of God's word and preaching, the truth would win out. And in
0: the end, he just found them to be a rebellious group. Yeah. Going back to Lincoln, um, and again, the second inaugural address, what he identifies and the reason he says both sides are at fault there. So he says the, the the time to fix this was when you were writing the constitution. You know, when, when, the, when the, the union was being formed, and, you know, we were negotiating this stuff. We should have dealt with it then.
1: So when we're fixing the mistakes of our grandfathers, uh, we don't just simply have a simple excuse for war, though. That's true. Um, at some point, we have to say these are our own problems as well. Yeah. And I for Luther, it just seems that that move to the sword, to us it might seem quick, but I wonder how long he waited and waited for the truth to be heard uh, by both the nobles and the peasants. And it gets to the point where he just realizes this truth of the sword is ultimately what those rebellious
0: people are going to hear. It, well, at, at, at that point, when this came out, and we'll, we'll touch on this more in the next episode, but when this came out, things were pretty much done. Luther wrote this and, in my mind, forever tarnished his legacy. But he didn't need to. It did no good. The The, the damage had been done. There were, there were uh, limited... Uh, examples of people who who were quoting Luther and killing while well, they were killing peasants, but you know for the most part, most of the most of the killing was done in May mm-hmm. of fifteen twenty five. Most of the you know the everything was settled. So is this an after action justification? It's partly because you know, the problems of the time with communication. Luther mm-hmm. was not really aware of what was going on when he became aware. It was mostly done. Um, but this is you know. It, it 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 captures his thoughts on yeah. the issue. Uh it's bringing a lot of good stuff to talk about, a lot of good things to consider. And uh uh but yeah, it's it's really um there's questions about whether this was made any difference at all.
1: So, thieving and murderous hordes, robbing and plundering, uh Luther's advocate advocation is avoid due process and just stab smite and slay them. <laughs> Um, maybe today we would still say thieving and murderous hordes that are robbing and plundering a bad idea
0: bad idea, but there, due uh, process could be possible there there are processes that need to be handled, and you're right uh, you said earlier, can things be handled earlier you know, mm-hmm. and you know it is up to the civil authorities one of the things that is clear and I think it's more clear in the previous the previous episode when we talked about on the 12 uh articles of the swabian. Yeah, yeah. Where Luther is really calling on the leadership to be you know to be more humble and more thoughtful in in their actions. And I think there's a you know and like Lincoln went back to you know it's the, the problems of the leadership going back to the the the, the writing the, the drafting of the constitution. There's these these problems need to be handled early with humility. And that actually goes back to what we were talking about with um uh, the Magnificat and Luther talking about how leaders need to turn toward Christ and they, they need to keep Christ in their, in their you know, they, they, they can't be turned toward the things of this world. They need to keep their spirit mm-hmm. turned or their their soul turned toward the spirit.
1: Well, in our next episode, we're going to talk about how Thomas Munzer uses the Magnificat as a justification for his rebellion about the, that the rich are going to be brought low. Oh my. Okay. Well, uh, so now this is a conclusion, episode 34. We thank you for listening. Thanks. We appreciate thanks, uh, to Josh Egley. He's, uh, our sound engineer, the one that makes us, uh, sound good.
0: And thanks to all our listeners out there. We really appreciate, uh, your, your listening into us. And we're, we're uh, also thanks to, uh, James Kittleson, uh, recognition of James Kittleson for, uh, Luther the Reformer. And Scott Hendricks, Martin Luther, the man in his vision, uh, Christian, uh, Christina
1: Vangen, Van Gayen. I think that's it, yeah. The Black Death, how it affected feudalism, really speaks to how this age of conflict between the peasants and the nobles uh, arose because of the the breakdown of the economy and, and things that happened. We
0: spoke of that in an earlier episode. Yeah, actually, I think I, I left that in. <laughs> I, I copied it over there. Some good background. Yeah. And uh, then Eric Rich. Uh, Thomas Munzer, A Tragedy of Errors, and then Luther's Works, forty six. And then there's some good background information on Wikipedia so we can place
1: things into a timeline and a context as well. You can email us at graceontap.podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you would like to host a road trip where we show up at a brewery near you and we um, encourage and support some good Christian dialogue about
0: issues that Luther has written about. You can also catch us on graceontap-podcast.com or we have a Facebook page. So you can go to Facebook and like us. We'd appreciate that.
1: And any reviews you place on iTunes can help our podcast appear um, higher in search engines when people are looking for... For um, a podcast about grace
0: and beer. Very good. Prost. Prost.